Hey, y'all, this one is going to be such a good conversation, especially for my entrepreneurs, for those of you with a side hustle, or those of you who dream about starting your own business. I sat down with Don Miller, who is a longtime hero of mine as an author, a podcaster, and a businessman, and we had such a fantastic conversation about all the things marketing and how to pivot and what this year has felt like for entrepreneurs. He is widely considered one of the most entertaining and informative speakers in the world, and his audiences are challenged to lean into their own story and creatively develop and execute the life of their dreams. This is my conversation with Don Miller. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Entrepreneurship podcast. Entrepreneurship is 2020. What is it? What you you advise so many small business owners, you are a business owner. Kind of any direction you want to take that cuz this year has been you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 17 years and and 2008-2009 which I thought would be the hardest years of my entrepreneurial journey and they are nothing compared to 2020. So, I'm yeah. curious what it's felt like for you. Well, I mean, it's it, we all got thrown into the deep end with a bunch of sharks and uh, it, this year. And I think for a lot of us, I, I pray for everybody watching or listening that um, it's been a great year, even though it doesn't feel that way. And by that, I mean, you know, when when you're faced with a year like this, you either sink or swim. And by the end of the year, you become a really good swimmer. And uh, and so we've had to pivot a lot of our stuff that we've been doing to more digital products. We've had to really rely on the sales funnel that we built. We've had to uh, reach out to customers with very specific messages. And it's we've just gotten to be a really tight machine. And because we did that, we were able to increase our revenue and profit by about 25 to 30%. I mean, we hired a bunch awesome. of people and we'll hire about seven more people in the next several months. And, you know, that's a business, Rachel, that, that you know, 80% we were dependent, 80% of our revenue on people getting on airplanes, flying to Nashville and sitting in a room together. So yep. one, one thing we all found out is how, how quickly can you pivot? And and I, I hear what your listeners are probably thinking right now. They're going, oh, you've got a intellectual property business and you're a business coach and all that kind of stuff. You know, I run a restaurant, but I've seen, I've seen businesses that should not remotely survive. I mean, I've got a friend who's a, he's a plastic surgeon in Amarillo, Texas. And he sent an email to his list saying, hey, you know, two weeks after quarantine, he sent an email saying, you're probably tired of watching Netflix and you're probably, <laughs> you've probably already gained a few pounds. Why don't you get on the, on the Zoom call with some of our doctors and we'll make a plan for you in the coming years to, that you can look great and feel great again and let's just talk. And he just booked years worth of work. And then I, wow. some other friends, um, Mark and Brian Canless in Seattle, they run Canless Restaurant, which is 
one of the finest fine dining restaurants in the world. They've won 15 years worth of grand awards. They just won a, from Wine Spectator, they won a James Beard Award. You know, fine dining is done. I mean, it's done. And they're in Seattle, the epicenter. They had to shut down a month before anybody else. The, the chef, the, he brought the whole staff, 100 people together and said, we are not going to lay anybody off. I'm not sure how, but let's come up with ideas. And the chef said, I make a really great hamburger. Nobody knows it. He'd won a James Beard Award that year, the year before. And he, and he said, I make a hamburger. Let's, let's turn the valet stand into a drive through Let's start selling hamburgers. They did that. They started meal delivery services. They started uh, a, a, with their agriculture farm division. They started bringing produce to people's houses. They started delivering cocktails. They started a drive-in theater in the parking lot. Yes. They have not let go of any of their employees and they're six months in. And they've given a quarter million dollars away to black-owned farms in the wow. Washington State area. So, you know, there, I, I say all that, hopefully that, that your listeners would, would hear, there's hope, right? If we can innovate and move forward, hard things make us stronger if we let them. And uh, hard things take us down if we let them. You know, I think the key is just to fight and try to look at the bright side, I guess. For the, for the businesses that you guys are, are coaching and, and sort of taking through, you know, typically it's about marketing and what are you doing and how do you tell your story and how do you explain to potential customers what it is that you do and are going to do for them? What do you feel like have been the biggest hardships that you see popping up with your clients in the last six months? Well, it's all about communication and, and what you're saying to your your people. And the, the two things that you want to communicate right now, the first is just incredibly important, and that's empathy. You know, you want to find a pain point that has come up because of COVID and because of quarantine that you as a company can, can empathize with. For instance, a restaurant might send out an email that says, we know you really want to get out of the house, but you don't feel safe. Uh, we would love to bring a meal to your table, you know, so that you can sit around. But empathy, we feel your pain is so important. And early on, some one of our clients said, you know, it's probably a good time to go quiet because everybody's getting bombarded with emails. I think that's the worst thing you could possibly do right now. You know, if you go quiet, you're the business that disappeared during a, a pandemic. <laughs> it's like, where right. were you when I was hurting? And, uh, you know, so we send a thing out to our customers that said, you know, there were a bunch of bills that were coming due. People were going to owe us money. And we sent an email that said, don't pay us, just wait. Just wait. Mm. And uh, we know you're hurting. And, and until that, when that shakes out and you figure out whether you've got the money, let's revisit it then. But right now, how can we serve you? So empathy is a huge part of brand building. It's a huge part of being a good human being, I think. And then the other, th the other one is competency. And that, that basically says in this time where you're hurting, we have a product or we have a solution that will help you you know, with you guys, you know, get moving again, you're not able to go to the gym, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Uh, and a perspective on life that can help you through this. So it's, I feel your pain, and I've got a way for you to get out of that pain. Mm -hmm. Those are the, the two marketing messages that I think every business needs to be sending out right now, and will probably for the next several months. Uh, you know, because I think people are going to feel a little bit hopeless for the next several months. Right. And uh, so we, we've still got time to meet people where they are. And right now they're hurting. So we want to send out empathy and, and something that helps them. 
Do you feel like your clients, because I've gotten this question quite a bit on social media, do you feel like you have clients who worry about how do I sell or how do I tell people that I have something for sale when I know that the economy is what it is and I know that people are out of work and I know like it feels like people are hesitating to even offer up their product because times are so hard right now. Well, I think the the key to that is is really understanding that your product is an investment that people are making and they're getting a return on that investment. And so if you have a product that makes people feel more at peace, then they're going to get it. It's a worthy investment for them to make right now because they're stressed out of their gourds. <laughs> you know, if mm-hmm. you, if uh, you have a product that helps them make more money, if you have a product that helps them have a cleaner, more, you know, a home that doesn't feel so uh, claustrophobic, if you have, you know, I mean, my friend who's the plastic surgeon is a great example. You know, he's got a product, even though he can't deliver any kind of surgery, he does have a product that's going to make people feel more beautiful at some time or feel more hopeful about their future. You know, if we've got a product that nobody really needs and doesn't give anybody a return, we got bigger problems than a pandemic. We got to come up with a whole new business <laughs> right. model at that point. Right. You need right. a new product. So I really believe that from the very beginning, you know, we our message was if you would have done what we told you to do three years ago, mm-hmm. you would not be struggling in this pandemic. Your business would still be growing because almost everybody that we talked to who did what we told them to do grew even fine dining restaurants and plastic surgeons. Yeah. So, so that just, it, to me, it gave me this incredible confidence or, you know, even more of it that, gosh, we make people a ton of money and right now they need money. And, uh, and so that's, that's, and our products are not very expensive. So, you know, I think, you know, double down and believe, believe in your products. If it's help, believe in yourself, believe in your product. If it really helps people, they are getting a great return on their investment. And it's a good, it's a good investment. The other thing, you know, we still live in the greatest economy in the world, not only the greatest economy in the world, the greatest economy in the history of the world. And there, there are a lot of people who are in industries that have actually grown. So uh, our GDP remains very high. The money is being shifted more toward the upper middle and upper class. And some of our society who are in that lower middle and uh, minimum wage workers are really hurting. And so we want to reach out aggressively toward the people who actually have more money and then find ways to help those who don't. And so, you know, ever since this, I've never left such big tips. I'm not a big tipper, you know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm you want to do yeah. everything you possibly can. If you're, if you're succeeding, you want to help because it, 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 the money has shifted around. It hasn't dried up. Mm. And so let's understand that there's still plenty of money out there and, um, and try to just do what we can in the, in the free market uh, to distribute it better. Now, I know you've talked about this a million times, I'm sure, but you said earlier, you know, for our clients who did what we told them to do, for listeners who aren't familiar with StoryBrand, who have not listened to your podcast, though I have talked about it a million times and they absolutely should, (laughs) or read the book or go just consume all the stuff, will you, could you give a sort of 50,000 foot level or whatever level feels appropriate to you of the idea of what it is that you guys teach. 
Well, it, it all started because I had a little conference company in Portland, Oregon, and there were only about 350 people showing up at my conferences and we had a 700 room facility. So our 700 seat facility. So I realized, you know, I'm pretty good at delivering material. All the surveys were coming back saying, we're going to tell all our friends about it. But, but, you know, month after month, we just have 350 people. And I realized I'm really great at writing 300 pages or teaching a class for eight hours. I'm not very good at writing the paragraph on the back of the book that makes people want to read the book. It's a totally mm-hmm. different skill set. And so we developed a framework or I developed a framework that helped people clarify their message. You know, you just feel so confused and uh, you just don't feel like you can say succinctly what people need to hear in order to understand what you do. So let me give you an example, Rachel. Let's say you're at a cocktail party. You meet two people. They do the exact same thing. They have the exact same job. They sell the exact same product, the exact same quality at the exact same price. You ask the first person, what do you do? And they say, well, I'm an at-home chef. And then you say, oh, you know, where did you learn to cook? And who have you cooked for? And what are your favorite restaurants there in Austin? And all that kind of stuff. You're not really interested in buying their product. You ask the next person, again, who does the same thing, same quality, same price. You say, what do you do? And and they say, well, you know how most families don't eat together anymore. And when they do, they don't eat healthy. I'm an at-home chef. I come to your house. I cook for you. So you can bond with your family stress-free. And at the end of the night, you don't have to feel guilty for what was on the table. Who's going to do more business, person one or person two? So we teach people to say what person two said as it applies to their business. And we do that using a 2,500-year-old formula that started, maybe it's older than that, but the first place it was ever written down was by a guy named Aristotle who wrote a book called Poetics. And it, is, it has been proven in all of its iterations throughout the centuries uh, to captivate a human being's attention. They cannot, they cannot not pay attention to story. So we teach people to talk about their business in such a way that customers cannot not pay attention. They have to pay attention. And we've seen you know, our, our first customer was, our first course customer was Procter & Gamble. The second customer was Ford Lincoln. And now there's 50,000 customers later. We just see businesses who have great products, but don't know how to talk about them, go through our process, filter their message. And they see, they finally see uh, customers paying attention and be differentiated in the marketplace. So that process goes through story. And I'll just share with you a couple of the paradigm shifts you know, one is never play the hero in the story. In fact, never really even tell your story. It's not important. Invite customers into a story. And really, the customer is the hero of the story, not you. And there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, one is the hero is actually a weak character in every story you go, every movie you see, the, co- the hero is a weak character. They're not strong until the last five minutes, right? But they're filled right. with self-doubt. They don't know if they can get the job done. They don't even want to be in this story. They're forced to take action. That's not you, right? You're strong. You're, you're the brand that's selling the product. So you position yourself as the guide, which is a different character in the story. Yoda is a guide. Obi-Wan Kenobi is a guide. Haymitch in Hunger Games is a guide. Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid is a guide. And the guide character exists to help the hero win. So your customers are out there struggling. They're in pain. Otherwise, they wouldn't be interested in talking to you at all. There's some sort of problem that they're dealing with. And you want to come into their life and say, look, I have a tool that you can use to solve this problem and win the day. 
and have a climactic scene in your life that resolves the trouble you are experiencing. That's what a guide does, right? And everybody out there is looking for a guide. And these, these brands that make the enormous mistake of positioning themselves as the hero, they lose. Because when their customers say, I'm a hero looking for somebody to help me, and then a brand comes out and says, we're a hero trying to build a big company. And the customer goes, well, I'm glad you're a hero. I'm a hero too. Can you step aside? I'm looking for a guide who can help me. Right. So there's a right. way that guides communicate and think that is very different than the way that heroes communicate and think. And I use the example all the time, you know, two failed political campaigns. Uh, Jeb Bush, his motto was Jeb can fix it. Jeb had $115 million in the Right to Rise Super PAC, $12 million in the general campaign fund when he quit the race because he couldn't get more than 3% of people to pay attention to him. Because why? If Jeb can fix it, Jeb's the hero. And then if uh, right. and Hillary Clinton's was, uh, I'm with her. Well, if I'm with her, who's the hero? She is. And so she couldn't get people to turn up to the polls because they, they, w- they were going to the voting booth going, I guess I'm with her, but what do I get out of this? Where if right. she would have just said, she's with us, she would be the president right now. But she said, I'm with her. Mm. So I think we, you know, we want to show up and tell our story and be the hero. Don't do it. Just invite customers into a story where they're the hero of the story and the story is about them and you are the guide helping them win. And that's the key mm-hmm. to success. So good. And, and really interesting. Do you find it interesting that you are here doing this work given where you started? I'm shocked. <laughs> this makes, this <laughs> makes absolutely no sense <laughs> at all. No, I'd written, uh, I'd written, I wrote, I wrote a memoir that didn't sell any copies. My mother bought a bunch of them. That's it. And then, uh, I wrote blue like jazz and that sold a million copies or more. And, uh, and that was 15 years ago. And then of course the publisher, as you know, Rachel comes to you and says, we want another memoir. We not well, I wrote seven, yeah, yeah, I wrote seven memoirs, which I wrote seven memoirs at the time I was 35. That's nobody should do that. And they, they wanted an eighth (laughs) one. And I, I thought, you know, if you write your eighth memoir, you are a clinical narcissist. There's no question about it. Right. And I'm just a regular right. narcissist, not a clinical narcissist. So I pivoted and wrote a, a book about story and how it can. I really just wrote Building a Story Brand because I had done some consulting work with a big consulting firm called Accenture and thought, you know, other business people might be interested in this. I expected it to sell a hundred copies to total nerds and half a million (laughs) copies later and 25 employees. And it's been the greatest, you know, I can't believe I got to do this twice. I got to live my memoir writer's dream. And when that, Mm. and you know, it's, there are times when it's just time to roll the credits on a story. It is. It's the story's over. Absolutely. And if you try to sit in that story for any longer, it's going to, you're just, you're jumping the shark as they say. You, you know, it just doesn't work yeah. emotionally anymore. So to pivot and start this company and help other people tell their story rather than continue to tell mine is one of the is one of three or four of the greatest gifts that I think God has ever given me in terms of an opportunity. And I'm very happy. What uh, What are you working on next? Are you allowed to say? Is it in the yeah, same if, if, business mindset? Yeah, we, you know, I didn't go to college. I didn't get a college degree. Same. I, um, I don't yep. know if you're like me. You definitely made better grades than I did in high school, Rachel, because if you didn't, you wouldn't have graduated because <laughs> I was at the very bottom <laughs> of, 
of the list. And, you know, I grew up in a home that was very dysfunctional. I, although my mother was wonderful, my father split. So mom had to work till seven, eight at night, you know, and we just sort of raised ourselves in many ways. Grew up on the south side of Houston in government projects and stood in line for government cheese. Was so scared that somebody from my school would see us standing in the welfare lines, essentially. It, you know, the, the, the opportunities were there for me to go to college and to succeed. I just didn't see them. And they, you know, it was just a little harder. So it took me till I was about 23, 24 to finally really start reading a lot of books and learning and realizing I was good at business. And, and then I accidentally got a job at a publishing company and within a few years was president of that company and realized I was really good at business. And, you know, by that time, 26, 27 years old, it, it wasn't too late to go back to college, but I would have to give up a, a successful career as the president of a publishing company to go back and did a, get a degree and maybe never get back to being president of a publishing company again. So that's a pretty lucky, you know, journey. In growing my own company, we went from $0 to $10 million in about five years. And now we're, I think we'll do 16 or 17 this year. And we're, we're on our way to 100 as fast as we can go. I really wanted to reverse engineer everything I learned about business and write a book for that 25, 26 year old who feels like they missed their opportunity. And so I wrote, I've got it right here. This, the arcs actually came in today. It's out January in January, but it's wow. called business made simple. And it's, you'll love it, Rachel. It's 60 days, 60 daily entries that teach you how to grow a company. And there's uh, that's so smart. we spent an enormous amount of money filming 60 videos that go with each day. And you literally wow. just buy the book and every day for 60 days, you get an email with a video, you read the daily entry. And by the end of it, you get, you understand what it actually takes to grow a business where I'm convinced if you go to business school, you uh, spend $50,000, you, you study a white paper on trade with China, you study a Volkswagen ad from 1975. You know, I've had people <laughs> from the most prestigious universities in the world, not just the country, the world, work in my organization and they do not know how to grow a business. They have no clue. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're in, up to their neck in debt. So for 20 bucks, you can learn everything you need to know about growing a business and the point of Business Made Simple, the actual book, is to completely disrupt the university system in America. That for 20 mm -hmm. bucks, I can teach you what would have cost you 75000 and you don't have to go into debt to do it. So that comes out in January, and I'm super excited about that book. That's awesome. I had no idea you were working on yeah. that. And I love anything that's about making it, number one, making it more tangible, and number two, and I say this with respect, but so often business is being taught by people who have never actually had a business. The yeah. only business that they've owned is the business of teaching you about business. Right. And it's yes, but also if, if the only business you've had is sort of like selling your ability to, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it, it, it drives me insane because I feel like, no, it's a totally different thing when you're trying to land your first client or put a portfolio together or know how to hire someone or know how to let someone go. Like it's a, it's a different world. And I love it that it's being taught by someone who actually knows what it the is. The other thing is what's interesting about the university system. Now, now, you know, when you talk about being a lawyer or being a doctor, universities will never go away. They are very important. In fact, they're probably one of the keys to the success of this country, but within the business school system, you know, you're 19 years old, you're studying mergers and acquisitions, you're studying 
you know, how to sell options on commodities. You're studying stuff that you will never do in a million years. You will never right. do those things. You're not studying uh, how to clarify a message, how to execute a sales funnel, how to manage people, how to run an execution strategy, how to come up with guiding principles that lead a team. You're not studying any of that stuff. You're not studying how to run a meeting efficiently. You're not studying how a business really works and how not to crash a business. So you're not giving people the, the frameworks they need to create good business intuition. And even if you were at 19 years old, you don't remember any of it. I mean, everybody I talk to who's been to business school doesn't remember any of it. And part of that is because you're 19 years old, you're not applying it every day. So what a great opportunity as professionals in our 20s, 30s, and 40s to be able to actually get a micro learning education where we're getting a little bit every day that we actually apply on that day in our office. You know, here's the thing that is a bit controversial about this book. And I'm really curious because you're so smart about this stuff. The first entry of the book says that you have an economic value, that God thinks you're priceless and hopefully your spouse thinks you're priceless and your kids think you're priceless. I certainly think you're priceless but the market does not think you're priceless. If your ability to, if you have the ability to cut up a potato and dip it into hot grease for three minutes and pull it out, you are worth $12 an hour or $15 an hour. That's what you're actually worth mm -hmm. in the open market. But that same person who can come up with guiding principles that unite a team around a mission is now worth $30 an hour. And that same person who can clarify a marketing message is now worth 40. And if you can create a sales funnel, you're worth 60. So here's the, the other point of this book is to actually increase the economic value of every single person who reads it. And that, that, that mm -hmm. you, you started this book worth 15 bucks an hour, you finished it worth 100 bucks an hour, if you can actually execute these things. And, uh, and so that's the other part of this book is to give the labor force in America leverage, leverage in, corp, in corporations to become more valuable. And of course, the only way to be valuable is to make people money. That's it. If, if you, right. if, you know, I, I've said to my staff many times, our stated goal is to become a hundred million dollar company. The way we will do that is to make everybody else a billion dollars. That's it. We will make a hundred million if we make somebody That's else so a billion. Real. That's it. So our goal is not to make a hundred million. Our goal is to make somebody else a billion. And that's all we're going to think about. How do we make them a billion dollars? And we'll get a hundred million and we'll be fine. We'll have a really nice riding lawnmower yeah. and whatever we, whatever else we need. But, <laughs> we live in the dream. Yeah, so I'm hoping that people read this book and show up and work and say, my boss is paying me a paycheck. I'm going to give them a return on that paycheck they never imagined, and they're going to keep moving me up. A good, a good boss will see that and go, just like a stock, right? If I'm making money off that stock, I'm going to put more money into it. And that's really the only way to move Absolutely. ahead is to, is to be a great, give people a great return on their investment. And you and I, as business owners, we, we have to do that more than anybody else. I mean, if, you know, the only reason customers are coming and giving me money is because they want more money in return or they want more peace or they mm -hmm. want more satisfaction in life or they, they want a return on that investment. And if we can learn to give people a fantastic return on that investment, we're going to succeed. Nothing's going to stop you. You are deadly if you can do that. And hopefully the point of this book is to teach them how to do that. I love that. I, I was thinking too, that there's something about the idea of, you're talking about making anyone who reads it more valuable, but also sort of even people understanding that they can have 
have incredible value to business owners, regardless of what kind of formal education they've had. Oh, I, I don't ask the question anymore. By, I don't ask anybody where they, where they right, went to school. I don't right. care. I could not care less. Yeah. I could not care less. And there are so many jobs that are so essential to the business that I have and, and probably the business that you have that you can learn on the job, that you can learn watching YouTube videos to start, listening to podcasts, reading information that is free right now on the internet to learn. You talked about building out a funnel. like Something like that is so valuable to a business owner, especially one that doesn't understand digital marketing or how email can be so powerful or how you can retarget someone. And if you have that information, I don't care if you're 19 years old and you know how to do that, you are worth everything to a professional who doesn't understand that information. Because there's so many things that I'm like, it's so hard to find maybe this is a limiting belief in my mind, but it's so hard to find people who have some of the same information that I have just from 15 years of being in this industry of this is how we're going to sell on e-com and this is what we're going to do with email. And and I'm like, I, the amount of money I would pay for the right kind of person with the right kind of heart who knows how to do those things. Now, certainly there's a world where you could train that up, but the time that it takes, the the investment that that would take for me is not something that I have right now. Yeah. So I can't, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, there are no good jobs anymore. There's no, no, there, there actually oh, no, are. No, we are desperate. So I can't things. tell you how desperate yep. we are. We're, we just put together a plan and I reviewed it this morning to hire seven new people. And right. each one of them, I knew we're going to interview 25 people for every one of these seven that we hire. And we're, we're not looking for a pedigree. That was kind of the sad thing about university system is one of the sad things, there are many happy things, but uh, is, you know, you get what you were really buying was a certificate that was supposed to give you security. And what you got was definitely a a bigger chance of getting a good job, but it came at a massive cost. And then the employer Mm -hmm. is saying, well, is realizing, well, the certificate is great, but I don't know if you can actually make me money. And you have to, you, then you have to get in the workplace and you have to prove that you can do it. And uh, they're, they're, those folks are very, very hard to find. And, you know, it's one of the things that we wanted to do, or I wanted to do is write this book and just rapidly speed up that process. Because can you imagine interviewing somebody mm-hmm. and uh, you say, okay, final question, why should I give you this job? And they say to you, Rachel, I know you're taking a big bet on me. Here's a few reasons. One is you're going to pay me $50,000 a year for this entry level job. I want you to understand my goal is to get to a point within a relatively short period of time, a few years, where I give Rachel Hollis a 10x return on her investment. I want you to make 500 if you pay me 50, because I know you have overhead, you have health care, you have legal bills, you have insurance. And at the end of the day, whatever profit you make off me, you've got to split with the government. So in the end, you're going to pay me 50 and I'm probably going to give you back 50 if I can make you 500. That seems like a good deal. But now I want you to understand how I'm going to do it. In the first 90 days that you hire me, I'm going to put together a mission statement and guiding principles for myself and my division. I'm going to teach the people who work with me a productivity uh, plan that makes us all more productive. I'm going to run an execution system where we have a daily meeting every morning for 15 minutes and review our priorities and a weekly meeting for an hour to see how we can make our processes more efficient. 
I'm actually going to clarify our message on whatever we're creating so more customers pay attention. And I'm going to create a sales funnel and start capturing email addresses that move products. Because I understand if you don't put capital, which is me, $50,000, into engines, sales, and marketing that thrust this business forward, this business is going to die. So I think in the first 90 days, I'll prove that I'm a good investment. But you and I, if you don't mind, can sit down after 90 days and we can see where I need to improve. But I would love this opportunity. (laughs) I think that's so much better than I have a business degree from the University of Texas. Right. Right. I'm a real hard worker. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, hook them horns, you know. <laughs> right. There's a plan. Absolutely. Yeah. You said something that made me curious. When within the structure of your own team, is the bulk of your business in marketing and sales? Well, we do two things. We we do, we help people clarify their marketing messages and and the the real revenue from that division of the company is we certify marketing agents and convert them from marketers who waste a lot of people's money to marketers who actually get a return for their for the companies they work for. So we have 600 marketing agents who who have been certified by us and they stay in our community. Awesome. The Business Made Simple brand which will launch January 1, the whole podcast will change to Business Made Simple and StoryBrand will become a division so of Business Made Simple. The, the stated goal of Business Made Simple is to certify 10,000 business coaches that take business education and, and bring it into their own living rooms. And so I'm hoping five, six years from now that people will say the best business school in the world is in America's living rooms. And it's being taught by these certified coaches in the marketplace who are actually scaling up people's businesses. So we've created a robust curriculum. In fact, I, my goal was to have, we, we launched our first cohort of coaches. We quietly told people we were doing it. And uh, my goal was to have 50 coaches in our first cohort. This was only a couple months ago that we launched it. And two weeks ago that we certified our first cohort of coaches. We had over 150, we had about 180 coaches go through. And so we're wow. next year, we'll do another thousand and we'll scale up from there. But I just think that, you know, a good business education shouldn't cost you $50,000. You shouldn't have to leave your job to be able to do it. it. It's just not that hard to grow a business, but it is a specific set of skills that you have to learn. And I want to give those skills to coaches who can teach them to people. I hope I'm on the list for, <laughs> for the, for the arc. I hope I'm oh, getting a yeah, galley. We'll get I hope you, I'm getting something. We'll get you everything that you need. Then I, Gonna call Jeff and ask why I haven't gotten my copy. Hey, I just got my yet, copy yesterday, so exciting. you'll get yours okay. tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so it's brand new. That's so rad. Do you always dream this big? Uh, if you and I had a couple whiskeys, Rachel, you would uh, think I was a delusional <laughs> uh, moron for how big I dream. <laughs> no, I dream very Do you? big. Okay. I dream so big. I, yeah, I won't even tell people the dreams that are in my head because it would be the same thing. Even my best friends would be like, come, come down yeah. sister. But I think that the life I live today is a manifestation. That's of exactly it. I was dreaming a decade yeah, ago. I think your dreams, yeah. I, I, I've even said this uh, publicly. I think the dreams you have about where your life can go should embarrass you. They, they should just be so yes. big. And you know, the reality is, you know, you keep, I mean, I, I told you how I grew up, grew up dirt poor in Houston, Texas. There's absolutely no reason I should have writ, written a book. There's no reason it should have hit the New York Times. There's no reason that 
I should be running this company. There's, there's no, none of this makes any sense. If you look back on that kid, what I'm living now is a delusional fantasy. So I'm kind of going, well, you know, I got yeah. about 30 years left on the planet. Let's go for it. Let's double down on delusional right. fantasies. What else is yeah. in here? Yeah. yeah. And if we get halfway there, I'm great with that. I don't know. You don't strike me as a hippie. So I'm going to ask this question. If this is too woo woo for you, then we're fine. But do you, have you studied manifestation much? No, I've. This idea I've, of that. I've studied a lot of internal versus external locus of control. You know, that psychological concept. So, so I just think in terms of, you know, we're talking about this idea of dreaming really big. This has been looked at by, a mil, you know, gurus and scientists and uh, quantum physicists, like just all the things. And basically, it's the idea that we as human beings create our own reality. And so for people who are big dreamers, that essentially, if you wake up in the morning and you are focusing on future, like, so I'm very future oriented. If you're a dreamer, it sounds like you're pretty future oriented too. So you wake up in the morning and you're putting your energy or your thought process into the future and what's going to happen in the future and what are you going to create and what are those dreams going to be? it creates an energy that propels you forward, right? So not to say that you would dream that you would achieve the big dream in six months, but just that your um, all of your energy is, is going on creation versus most people wake up in the morning and immediately start focusing on problems from their past. Uh, yeah. Even if the past is yesterday, right? So they wake up and they begin to drown in all the bad things that have happened. And that stops them in, in their tracks. They can't even imagine a brighter future or bigger goals or something more magnificent for themselves because they live primarily in the past. And so you, not on purpose, but you unintentionally just end up recreating the same life, the same circumstances, the same friends, the same level of revenue, the same things over and over and over because you're living back here instead of in the future. There's a 10 minute video on this. <laughs> I'm going to send Please you do. later where it talks about this in relation to quantum physics that will blow your mind. The idea that matter changes and energy changes when we focus on it. I'm going to get way too deep and too woo woo. This is like these are my favorite topics, but that you, you have the ability to affect yourself, the energy around you and what you are putting focus on. And when you focus on something over, cause I don't know if you do this, if you're, if you visualize, if you're imagining or daydreaming, or you have your second whiskey and you're like, man, it's going to be so great when I'm president or whatever it looks like that it becomes so normalized to you. Have you ever experienced a moment in your life where you achieve something that you imagined and it feels like, oh yeah, this is what it, oh, this is, yep. Like it doesn't feel like a surprise because you have imagined that moment yes. so long yeah. and have worked for it for so many years that it just feels like the evolution of where you were meant to be in that spot. I'm going to send you a YouTube video. No, well, you, tell me, blow yeah, your mind. I, you know, I've never, I've never really studied the manifestation stuff, but I'm, I, I am a visionary and I do imagine myself in certain scenes. And, and when I was a senior in high school, 17 years old, a guy came through our high school, kind of a self-help speaker guy. And he said, Hey, I want you to write a letter to, you're going to pull a name out of a hat. One of your friends, you're going to write them a letter and it's going to say, here's what I want to do with my life. And you're going to explain it. 
So my best friend's girlfriend's name was Sandy. And I pulled her name out of the hat. And I wrote this letter to Sandy. And it said all the things that I want to do by the time I'm 35. Because I thought 30, life more or less ended at 35. And because uh, we're so old, you know. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, Sandy and I, we were friends for a while. And then we just kind of lost touch, you know. And she called me when I lived in Portland, Oregon. I grew up in Houston, Texas. I lived in Portland, Oregon. And I said, Sandy, man, blast from the past. How are you? And she's like, Don, I'm so great. You know, married kids. We caught up. She said, well, here's why I'm calling. I, I got this letter that I pulled out of when my husband and I were moving. I, I found this letter that you wrote. And do you remember this? And I said, yeah, you know, I vaguely remember that. She goes, can we just go through and see what's true? Um, you will live in Portland, Oregon. You will be a New York Times bestselling author. Check. You will wow. be a millionaire. Wow. Check. You will, and just and every single one of them had come true. And to me, that taught me a lot. I mean, I kind of woke up because what I just assumed that's where I was going to head. And, you know, so I, I when there was a chance to get a job at a publishing company, of course, I'm going to get a job at a publishing company because I'm going to be a New York Times bestselling author. And someday I have to figure out how books work. So that's a great you say right. yes and no to the right opportunities because you had imagined what you want your future to look like. So here's something even crazier. Almost every morning, not every morning, I don't want to lie, but I'm disciplined about doing a few things. I have a morning ritual. Every morning, most mornings, I sit down and I read my obituary. It's the obituary that that I want to be true on the day that I die. So it's all the things that I've accomplished, wow. the family, the, you know, all of that. Uh, and then I read my 10-year plan, which involves 10 years from now, I hope to have a $250 million company on the way to a billion-dollar company. And you know, and then I read my five-year plan, and then I read my one-year plan, and then I fill out a day planner and move the plot. I call it moving the plot forward. So I've decided what my want my story to be, and I do not. I'm not in control of my own destiny fully, but I do get to dance with destiny, and I get to control way more than Absolutely. anybody realizes. And I think that's, uh, and to me, that's just been an amazing process. So maybe I am manifesting some quantum physics. Quantum you, physics oh, thing. no, you, you absolutely are. <laughs> and I think a lot of people do, and they just don't maybe have the language for it. I was watching an old, like an old personal development, Tony Robbins from like late 80s, maybe. And he was talking about this loop that I thought, man, that is the perfect explanation for what you just described about like, oh, you have, of course, I'm going to work at this publishing house. So he said, imagine the first box is uh, potential. This is like what you believe your potential is as a human being right now, what you believe your potential is in health or as a writer or a business owner or whatever. And based on what you believe your potential is, you will take an action. That action is directly in line with whatever you perceive yourself and your ability to be. The action that you take will give you results. So you did something, it got you these results. And then those results give you the belief and yeah. the belief feeds back into the potential. And it's just this loop. So based on the potential you perceive yourself to have, you're going to take an action today. Like you say, moving the plot forward, you're going to do something for your life and your business with your wife, whatever it looks like, because you believe you have the potential for that thing. And one of the most powerful tools or questions I think we can ask ourselves is what action would I take today if I believed I had double the potential I think I do? Wow. So if I think 
right? That's a great like if I question. think that I'm smarter, stronger, healthier, um, a better mom, a better, like how would I change the action in my day based on that? Because ultimately the action that you change will change your results and the results that you get will change your belief. And it just keeps, it's this compounding effect that creates crazy exponential results. So how would your action change if your potential were perceived to be different? I love it. And you know, it's, it's funny just because like a, it takes, a juicy question. It takes, um, I, did you have this experience when I wrote my first book, the book was published, it was out, you know, I was doing book readings that four people were showing up to, you know, and, and right. people would come up to me and say, you know, what's it like to be a writer or what is your writing life? Look? And I, it, I felt like a fraud answering as a writer, you know, I would say, well, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm not actually a writer. <laughs> they would be like, well, I'm kind of holding your book. You know, <laughs> it's, that's what a writer right. is. <laughs> and right. uh, it took me a while for my identity to actually change. And I think with, with all the things that I've, that I've tried to pursue in life, um, it took a while for my identity to change as a, a best-selling author. It took a while for my identity to catch up as a business owner. It took a while for my, you know, it'll take a while in, in my next career for my identity to catch up. But, and I think that's where most people stop when, they, when their, identity, their identity gets stuck in a place and the only way to change it is actually, we have a saying around my office, and we say this, we want everybody swimming out past the breakers, everybody. And what we mean by that is, you know that place when you're in the ocean and, and you just realize your toes aren't touching anymore when the wave comes? Yeah. That's where we want you. I don't want you any deeper than that, where the sharks are. <laughs> but, and I want you to be able to swim back in and touch the ground when you need to. But nobody gets to be comfortable. Everybody has to be just out past their professional ability because that's the only way we grow. And, and I think that's, it's true with our identity. And, uh, you know, I, I stopped saying, I, 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 my default mode is self-deprecating humor, which still comes in every once in a while. But I stopped saying things like I'm bad at math or I'm, I'm a dope of a husband, or I stopped saying those things because right. uh, one, they're just not true, right? That, that's a lie. Yeah. You're not bad at math and you're not a dope of a husband and you and I think I've learned as I've gotten older to protect the attacks on my identity at all costs because my own quality of life depends on it. But so does the quality of life of my team and my family. You know, it depends mm -hmm. on me being a competent, humble human being uh, who actually knows what they're doing. And um, so I think what you're saying is not just important for our own quality of life. It's important for the people around us. And I think, you know, the words that we say, maybe I, I focus on this more as a writer, but the words that we say have power, so much power, what you use to describe something, how you talk about yourself, because you were saying, you know, attacks on your identity are especially powerful when they come from your own mind yeah, yeah, or when yeah. they're just sort of those offhanded things that you say, you know, I, I always think of this with moms. I have a lot of moms in my community and they'll they're sort of like this joke, like, Oh, I'm just, I'm a hot mess. Or like, it's, I'm such a disaster. I'm such a, I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah, you yeah. have three kids under the age of seven. Your life is very busy. You're, there's a lot of chaos. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. And you have to be careful about the words that you use to describe yourself because this again is sort of this manifesting thing of like, don't, don't make that your reality. Don't make those things that you're saying, especially if it's just offhand and supposed to be funny, 
there becomes some truth to them. And I think that we start to believe them on some level, which is so well, dangerous. We start to believe them and other people start to believe them. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if there was a guy who, uh, who came through our, our, what he, he was one of our, in our certified community, we were certifying and he said, well, you know, sooner or later, everybody figures out I'm an asshole. That's what he said. And I'm like, <laughs> Hey man, I got to tell you, um, if you, if we're going to figure that out, you should just leave now because we, right. we don't let assholes be in our community. And he just kind of right. looked at me, you know, I said, I'm serious. I know you're being self-deprecating, but you, you, you can't, you can't stay. Right. <laughs> and it was, you know, right. he realized, wait a second, you know, I'm, I'm telling people what to think about me. And, right. uh, and, and if we're saying, well, I'm just a moron or, well, I'm not very good with people. You're literally telling people not to bet on you. Right. And so that's going to that's gonna come to hurt you in a little bit. I feel like I could talk to you for nine hours, but I do want to be respectful of your time. The well, you know, during quarantine, I don't I have like, a whole lot going on. So. <laughs> right, right. The last thing I want to uh, touch on, because I've heard you say this many times, and I am always fascinated by this, is you calling your shot in terms of revenue. So you're saying $100 million company. That's what I want to build. That's what I want to do. And I feel like maybe this is a limiting belief that I have, but I feel like that is something that is very difficult to do as a woman who owns a company to sort of talk about financial success or where I want to go or what I want to do. And I'm just curious what you think about, like, how important do you think it is to be calling that shot and have your team know and what does that look like for you? Well, I, I, you know, there's always pushback to that, right? But there would never be pushback to somebody in the NFL say or coach saying, "We want to win the Super." I Bowl. want to win the Super Bowl. You're and exactly so, right. for me in business, it's like we, we just have to. And I know there's pushback, and I know there's there's economic uh, inequality in this country and disparity, and and hopefully we're going to do something about that. But I, you know. I know there's pushback. At the same time, I have to state clear goals. I just have to mm -hmm. say what the Super Bowl is and whether or not you get a Super Bowl ring. And this is what we are going to do. I think mm -hmm. what helps with that is, at least with my leadership team, you know, there's something that I want to do. One of my delusional fantasies is, um, and, and I, I say that, but it's not a delusional fantasy. It's getting more and more real every year. But I started a, a movement, or at least the branding of a movement, and I'm working behind the scenes with a lot of really smart people to start a political advocacy group called Build the Middle Class. So I own yeah. buildthemiddleclass.com. And basically it would be uh, a way of lobbying uh, Republicans and Democrats to say, look, I, I don't like either of you. I think the Republicans and Democrats are wasting enormous amounts of our money. They're wasting enormous amounts of our time. It's reality television. It's all drama on both sides. Right. If you aren't going right. into the voting booth and holding your nose to vote for somebody, you're not paying attention. Right. These are not the best right. qualified people. So it's a way of saying this is an actual platform that helps middle class families. And I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, if you will support these three issues and these various pieces of legislation, I'll vote for you. And if you're not going to get united and work together on these three critical issues, um, we're going to vote you out of office. So in order for me to really make that work, Rachel, it's going to cost me personally $100 million. That's what it's going to cost to do that. And I need the money to do that. So when I talk to my staff, 
I'm saying, look, this is what I'm doing with my hundred million. I'm burning it, <laughs> literally right. spending it to make the country better. Right. And, you yeah. know, I drive a, a Toyota forerunner. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I don't have a boat. I mean, we have a very nice house. Right. We live very nicely. Uh, but I think it helps when the money is serving the world. Villains in stories hoard the gold. Dragons mm-hmm. hoard the gold and don't want anybody else to get it. And so if you do that and you're somebody who, have, who has been lucky and hardworking enough and smart enough and, and persistent enough to become extremely wealthy, don't hoard the gold. Don't do it. I mean, right. and I'm not saying give it away. I mean, spend it. And, you know, I've got economic ideas that are interesting that we could talk about some other time. But um, <laughs> I think when we want the power and the resources to go to people who will use it for causes that make the world a better place. And so yeah. there will always be pushback, but hopefully I mitigate a lot of that pushback saying, here's what I'm building. Here's what I'm going to do with my money. And uh, right. hopefully that serves the world in some way. Man, I I don't think Oprah Winfrey you. apologizes for being wealthy. No, never. <laughs> and here, like, honestly, I, at the, at the end of 2018, I was like, I'm just going to start claiming it. I'm going to be honest about what I've built with my company, what, you know, the number of people I employ, job creation is something that's incredibly important to me. And these are the vendors that we support, like all of those things. And I can see a direct correlation between making that choice and a massive amount of harsh feedback. And that just is the reality of the world. It's like, I've wondered forever, why don't, why doesn't Oprah talk about it? Why doesn't Sarah Blakely talk about it? Why don't these women who have built these massive empires claim that more? And I think because in order to have that, like I look at someone like um, the, my favorite example is Chip and Joanna Gaines mm-hmm. who do this so well. And I have so much freaking respect for the fact that they're like, Oh, we're just, we're just, we're up here on our farm with our kids. We're up in Waco. <laughs> Do you know how much freaking money the Gaineses have? Like, they are geniuses. If you've ever been to silos, like, those two are business masterminds. And the fact that they're just like, oh, oh, shucks, us? Oh, don't look at us. We're fine. We're just over here doing the Lord's work. There's, there's something to it. It's like you can have some level of success as long as you don't talk about it. But For me, when I have this community that is predominantly women, predominantly female entrepreneurs, predominantly women who are in high levels of leadership at their companies, I feel like they need someone to say like, oh, this is what it looks like when you work your butt off and you figure it out and you fall down, but you stand up and go again, you can experience success. And oh, by the way, here's what I did with it right? Like, here's how I invested that money back in my community. Here's how I paid off my grandparents' home. Like, here's the, here are the things that I did when I got to this level, because you as a woman, you probably want that in your life too. Yeah. But it just looks like a little bit of a different world. From I'll tell you one thing that, that I've noticed about you is that you, you have this incredible ambition and desire to succeed, but you, you want to take people with you. And to me, yes. that that's the difference between the people that rub us the wrong way and the people that don't. The people that rub us the wrong way say, I'm going to succeed and I'm leaving you in the dust. Right. I'm leaving you here. And people who, who, who say, look, I figured out how to succeed 
it's a path that goes through a lot of thorns and thistles and underbrush. I'm going to pave a sidewalk and we're all going to walk this path. And yeah. I think that's what you're doing. And, and I, I won't be one of the ones who criticize you, Rachel, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that you have always been so incredibly supportive and I am so grateful for the time today. And I know listeners are going to be so excited. We got such incredible feedback when you were on our live event. So thank you sincerely for taking the time and letting me ask you 10 million questions. And I'm for sure going to send you that YouTube video so you can yes. learn all about also, manifestation. This book, Business Made Simple, comes out uh, yes. in January. But just for your audience, if you if you buy this on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and you forward your receipt to book at businessmadesimple.com, book at businessmadesimple.com, we filmed a okay. course as a bonus for pre-ordering the book, and it's called Zero to yes. Ten, and it's it's me explaining how I grew a company from zero to ten million in five years. And so it's, it's free. It's, we're not going to release it to the public. It's only for people who pre-order the book. So grab the book on Amazon when they forward it to uh, book at businessmadesimple.com and we'll get you that uh, free course. That's awesome. And we'll also put that in the show notes. So you guys can go down and grab that as well. What and I'm going to send you an arc. Yeah. I'm going to send you an arc. Please. I, I would Typos love and all. to read it. Yeah. Um, those are my favorite. January 19th. January 19th. All right. We're ready. Ready. You know what? People need that in 2021 more than ever. Well, we're, we're going to start. The whole world will feel like it's starting over in January of 2021. Right. right. Thank God. I hope so. <laughs> Thank God. All right. All Thanks, right. Rachel. Awesome. Have a good weekend. Bye now. Thanks to your team as well. The Rachel Hollis podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% chance production.